0: Let me once more say good morning to all of you. As I was sitting up front before we started, I was listening to kind of the the buzz that there was in the auditorium, and it made me really think about how nice it is to be part of a group of people who are actually excited uh, to be together, people who are actually excited to come together to worship God. And I just want to thank you for being that kind of people and allowing me to be a part of this congregation that feels that way. I know that that would be really unusual if you told Um, A lot of people that uh, we got together at Sunday morning at 8.30 and people were excited to be there. They find that a strange thing, but I think it's a great thing, and so I want to commend you for that. Before we get started with our sermon this morning, let's pray together. Father, it is good to be here this morning. Father, it is exciting to be here this morning, and Father, it's good and exciting because we're among friends and family, but even more so, Father, it's good and exciting because we're... Here in your presence, we're here to worship you, and Father. We know that you are a part of what we are doing this morning. We thank you for that, Father. I pray that you will continue to bless this congregation in the ways that you have, um, individually and collectively, Father. We want to to come before you, acknowledging that our desire is to be like your Son, Jesus Christ, to be true disciples of His. My prayer is that. Today, Father, will help us each take uh, at least one step closer to being more like Him, being transformed more into His image. I pray this through His name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Amen. So last week I introduced a sermon series entitled, Resolved to Follow. And this sermon series is an outgrowth of our 2014 theme here at Netherwood Park. And our theme for 2014 is that all may know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. It's a theme that reflects our desire to be followers of Jesus Christ whenever, wherever, and whatever the circumstances. We want to be people that leave no doubt in anyone's mind that Jesus Christ is our Lord and He is our Master. So last Sunday, I recounted a conversation I had 30 years ago with a friend of mine from graduate school, a friend who was mystified a friend who was puzzled by the contradictions that she saw in my life. She had observed that I was trying to be one person at church, and I was trying to be a different person at home, and I was trying to be yet a third person when I was at graduate school among my academic peers. She had been, uh, she had seen right through my attempts to live these different lives and be these different people. And because of that conversation, I had a face the really hard reality that I wasn't a resolute follower of Jesus Christ. I was trying to be a part-time. I was trying to be partially committed in my walk with Jesus Christ. And the problem with that is that Jesus makes it very clear that partial followers, part-time followers, really aren't disciples at all. So that conversation helped start me on a journey that I'm still on today. A journey in an effort to become a full-time, fully committed follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. An effort to become someone who follows Jesus at all times, in all places, and in every circumstance. And it is a journey that is completely impossible without the power of God and without the power of his word. It's a journey that can't be done without the loving sacrifice Of Jesus Christ, and without the perfect example that Jesus Christ set for us. And it's a a journey that's doomed for failure without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And it's a journey that I couldn't even contemplate without having brothers and sisters in Christ, without having fellow disciples to walk along that journey with me. And at the end of the sermon last week, I asked for a commitment. I ask for everyone to at least consider and hopefully make a commitment to answer three questions with me over the next seven weeks. And I want to to remind you of what those questions are. And for those of you who weren't here last week, I want to let you know what those questions are and ask you if you will make the commitment to explore, to ask, to answer these three questions over the coming weeks. So here they are. The first question That we asked is, what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ? We want to know, what does it look like? What's required? What does it cost? And what are the rewards? We need to ask ourselves, and we need to ask the Bible, and we need to search and know, what's required of me if I say I really want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, the second question is a question of personal evaluation, and it's a question that we're going to have to ask ourselves. We're going to have to look inside ourselves. The question is this, am I truly a disciple of Christ? Am I truly a disciple of Christ? So answering this is a process of introspection, of looking deep inside. And it's a process of reflection, of looking at ourselves as other people see us. Looking at ourselves through the eyes of other people. Looking at ourselves through our behaviors, through our words, and through our actions. And the final question that I ask, it's a, it's a question of commitment. It asks, am I prepared to follow Jesus whenever, wherever, and whatever? Will I resolutely follow Jesus whenever he calls and wherever he leads and whatever the situation I want to ask myself, and I hope that you'll ask yourself, if you're prepared to change your not now, Lord, and you're not there, Lord, and you're not now, Lord, to different answers. If you're prepared to answer Jesus in this way, yes, now, Lord, and yes, there, Lord, and yes, now, Lord right here So as we continue the process of asking and answering those questions We're going to talk today about dust We're going to talk about getting dirty But we're not going to talk about just any dust We're going to be talking about being covered in the dust of Jesus Christ Covered in the dust of Jesus So for the people of Jesus' time Dust and dirt were just facts of life. When you picture first century Palestine, picture Albuquerque. But don't picture Albuquerque of today. Picture Albuquerque without any sidewalks. Albuquerque without any paved roads. Albuquerque without any curbs or gutters. Albuquerque without any sewage pipes. Um, Picture that, and then you'll have an idea of what first century Palestine was like. Dust and dirt And filth were just facts of life. And another fact of life was walking. Walking was the primary means of transportation for almost everyone at the time of Jesus. Walking on dirt roads. Walking on dirt paths. And with every step taken, dust was kicked up in the air. And much of that dust settled on other travelers who were following along the same path. It was a dusty Dirty time. I know many of you are like me and you've spent at least some of your time in fairly rural areas where there were lots of dirt roads. And you've probably driven down dirt roads. So I want you to picture a really dusty, dry road. And you're driving down it in your vehicle. What happens? Well, lots and lots of dust gets kicked up. Now imagine you're going down that road and you're following closely behind someone else. What happens as you're driving? Well, all that dust, it seems like, settles on your vehicle, right? It can be to the point where you have to turn on your windshield wiper, not because of rain, but because of dust, so you can see. You can tell I'm a New Mexican. I relate more to windshield wipers for dust than for rain. But but the dust rises, and it settles, and it covers, and it coats, and at the end of that journey, your vehicle, you can't even recognize what it looks like because of the amount of dust that's on it. So keep that picture in mind so what do you do you have a couple of choices you can follow closely and get completely coated with dust or you can you can draw back some and the further that you draw back the less dust that you get on your vehicle to the point if you draw back far enough and follow far enough behind another vehicle you'll get very little dust on you at all well it isn't nearly as dramatic as that when you're walking on a dusty path or a dusty road But the same things happen. If you're following behind another walker, you will get covered in dust. And the more closely you're following, the more dust you'll collect. So that's the image I want us to have this morning as we talk about being covered, coated in dust. We're talking about the dust that comes from following someone else down a path, about being covered by the dust that's been kicked up by the person we're following. So with that dusty image in mind, let's read again our text from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 14. Colossians 3, 1 through 14. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In this passage, Paul draws a very stark contrast between what was and what is, between lives without Jesus and the lives of those who choose to follow Jesus. Paul recognizes the fact that each of our lives are going to be covered with something. The question is, are we going to be covered in the dirt, in the filth that comes from walking in the ways of the world, or are we going to be covered in the dust that comes from following Jesus? And following him closely. And that brings us to our key point this morning. Our key point is this Jesus calls for his disciples to leave behind the filth that comes from walking in step with sin and replace it with the dust that comes from walking in his steps. Jesus calls for his disciples to leave behind the filth that comes from walking in step with sin and replace it with the dust that comes from walking in. In his steps. You see, Paul emphasizes that Jesus calls his followers away from one walk, away from one journey, to a very different walk, to a very different journey. Choosing to follow Jesus also means choosing not to follow our earthly natures, our carnal natures, our sinful natures. The hard reality Paul presents is this. If we give free reign to following after our sexual desires, we should fully expect to be covered in sexual filth. And if we give full reign to chasing after everything we'd like to possess, we should fully expect to be covered in the filth of greed. And if we choose to pursue our selfish agendas, we should fully expect to be covered in the filth of anger. Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language, and not to mention lying words. But thanks be to God that Jesus has called us to a different path. Jesus has called us to a new path. Jesus has called us to a better path, a path that completely changes our identity, a path that completely changes our appearance. It's a path that isn't about pleasing self, but about pleasing God. It's a path that isn't about serving self, but about serving others. It's a path that was first walked by Jesus. And it's a path of compassion. It's a path of kindness. It's a path of humility. It's a path of gentleness. It's a path of patience. It's a path of forgiveness. It's a path that's covered with the dust of Jesus. And it's a path that his disciples walk because it was first walked by him. Why are we compassionate? Well, we're compassionate because of his compassion on us. Why are we kind? Well, we're kind because he was first kind to us. We're humble because he humbled himself to serve us. We're gentle because he is gentle with us. We're patient and bear with each other because he is patient and he bears with us. And we are forgiving of others because he has forgiven and continues to forgive us. So we become covered in the dust of Jesus by following in his steps. And we spread the dust of Jesus We spread the dust of Jesus by treating others in the same way that Jesus has treated us. So what does that mean for us? What lessons can we take away from our time together this morning? So I'm going to suggest four lessons that we can take away this morning. The first one is this. We need to understand that reading a travelogue is not the same as traveling. Reading a travelogue is not the same as traveling. What do I mean by that? Well, it can be really interesting to read about the journeys of others, but it's not the same as actually going on the trip ourselves. Remember, James reminded us about the importance of not only hearing the word, but also doing the word. We can't just read about, or hear about, or study about Jesus' path. This is a call to actually walk Jesus' path. The only way to get covered in the dust of Jesus is to walk in his steps. If we stay in our rooms, if we stay in our church buildings and we listen to stories about Jesus and we read about stories about Jesus, there will be no dust on us. That only comes from walking on the path behind him. You know, it's really good to know where we should go, but that knowledge doesn't have much value unless we actually go there. Second lesson. Following closely in Jesus' steps is the only way to navigate the filth of this world. Jesus showed us the way. And through his spirit, he continues to show us the way. If you're like me, you've tried to navigate through this world on your own. And if you're like me, you've tried to navigate through uh, the path following Jesus on a part-time basis. And if you're like me, you've consistently failed. You've consistently found yourself covered with the filth of the world because you haven't been following Jesus. Following Jesus is the way. It's the only way to make your life through this world without becoming transformed into the image of the world. Jesus knows the way through, and he shows us the way through. When we were studying about the Sermon on the Mount, I was struck by the imagery that Jesus gave about, about following the, finding the way to life was on a path that was narrow, a road that was narrow. And my initial reaction to that was, why would they give us such a difficult path to follow, such a narrow path? But when I consider that I have a guide, I have Jesus Christ to lead me on that path, I'm not as concerned about a narrow path. What better guide could we have than Jesus Christ To lead us through the journey of this world. Third lesson. Choosing to follow Jesus requires both the putting off and the putting on. It's a funeral and a wedding, if you will. Have you ever noticed the graphic death language used throughout the Bible? When the Bible writers start talking about following Jesus? We're told that we are buried with him in baptism. We're told to pick up our crosses, which are instruments of death, and follow Jesus Christ. We're told to put to death our old selves. See, Jesus calls for his disciples to kill the old self, to bury the old self, to toss dirt on top of the old self and self and leave it behind. And that imagery is used for a reason. That imagery has a purpose. It's used because retaining, because staying covered with the filth of our old lives leaves absolutely no room for the dust of Jesus. Our old lover, our sinful natures, must die. Must die to set us free to be joined to. Must die in order for us to become one with. It must die for us to enter into an exclusive relationship with. The old self must die for us to, in a very real sense, become married to Jesus Christ. If we don't replace the filth of the world with the dust of Jesus, we can be sure that the filth of the world is going to return. And that is certainly not what we want to happen. Well, the fourth and final lesson I want us to take from this is It is the dust of Jesus that transforms us into his image. How do we know that we're following Jesus down the path? Well, we know because we're covered in his dust. And that's the change in identity that Paul talks about in our text. There is no longer a whole list of things that he talked about. There's no longer racial divide. There's no longer economic divide. There are no longer class differences. There are no longer nationality differences. Because everyone following Jesus Christ looks the same. And they look the same because they're covered in Jesus' dust. And what does that dust look like? It's the words that we talked about before. It's humility. It's forgiveness. It's peace. So, what do we do about this? What can we do now to help us move closer to Jesus? What can we do in our desire to become better disciples of His? Well, now it's time for us to engage in some of that personal evaluation that we talked about. And personal evaluation oftentimes is difficult, oftentimes it's challenging, and oftentimes it's painful. But if you committed to answering those three questions that we talked about, I have four additional questions for you today. These are four questions for personal reflection and personal evaluation. And these four questions are way too important, and they're way too involved for us to answer them in the few moments that we have left in this service. So what I want to do is I want to pose these questions, and I want to ask you to prayerfully consider them in the next week. Prayerfully consider them, ask them of yourselves, and answer them of yourselves. Four questions over the next week as we continue to seek to be disciples of Christ whenever, wherever, and whatever. So here are our questions, and I'm going to pose them with very little commentary. The first question is this. Am I walking in his steps Or just admiring the journey? Am I walking in his steps? Or just admiring his journey? We need to ask ourselves if we just love to read and hear about what Jesus has done. And love to read and hear about maybe even what he is doing. But not take any steps to actually follow where he leads. Am I walking in his steps or just admiring his journey? The second question. I would like for all of us to prayerfully consider and ask and answer: is this, have I had my funeral? Have I had my funeral? We want to know: have have we killed? Have we buried? Have we left behind our old sinful self? Have we had our funerals? The third question, not surprisingly, is: and have I had my wedding? Have I had my wedding? Have I joined in an exclusive relationship with Jesus where he is my one and only master? He is my one and only Lord? Have I had my wedding? And the fourth question I want you to consider and ask and answer is this. Am I covered with the dust of compassion? The dust of humility, the dust of gentleness, the dust of patience, the dust of forgiveness, and the dust of love. We need to ask ourselves if, if it's true that we can no longer be recognized because we're covered with the dust of Jesus. So that we can all be a people who look the same in the image of Jesus Christ. So let's pray together, and then after I pray, I'm going to have one final invitation before Rodney leads us in a song. Father, I'm asking for your strength and your guidance. Father, I've asked us to do some, some difficult and painful things, and I just pray, Father, that you'll, you'll give us the courage and the honesty and the desire to do that. For, Father, I truly believe that everyone in this place wants to follow Jesus closely. I pray, Father, that you'll help each one of us to evaluate our lives, to see in what ways that we are and what ways maybe we're not, so that we can use that as a, a first step to become more and more like Jesus Christ and follow closer and closer to him and be covered more and more in his dust. And I pray this, Father, in full confidence that you will give us that strength, that courage, and that honesty. We pray it through Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So in the early days of the church, a tradition took hold. A tradition took hold that had to do with partings, with the things that people would say to each other as they were leaving, as they were going away. And what they would say was not the normal things that we say. When we say goodbye, we say goodbye. Or we say see you later. Or we say have a good day. Or maybe even we might say God bless you. Well, in the early church, a tradition that took hold was this. When parting, disciples of Christ would say to each other, May you always be covered in his dust. May you always be covered in his dust. So, I'd like to revive that tradition, even if it's just a one day revival. I would like to ask each of us as we're parting today from each other, as we're ending conversations, that that's the way that we end it. We tell each other, we encourage each other, may you always be covered in his dust, in the dust of Jesus Christ. We can revive it for one day, and I think maybe we could even have some fun while we're doing it. The words, may you always be covered in his dust. So may we all be covered in his dust, whenever, wherever, and whatever. Let's stand and sing together.